wouldn't say that hiring is rocket science, but there are really good best yes. practices that people yeah. should be doing. Hey entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? Do you feel you have more losses than wins? For years, I was rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I had to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. I felt like I was running in the wrong direction and moving even further away from my goals. So the big question is, how do you stop the craziness? How do you get to your next win? Well, this podcast will give you the answer. Join me on my journey as we have real conversations about struggles, successes, and tips so we can get you quicker, faster results, no fluff, and get you to your next win now. Hey everyone, it's Chris Ward, win the hour, win the day. And today we are going to dive into a really meaty conversation with Nathan Hirsch. Nathan is an entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. Most recently, Nathan co-founded freeup.com in 2015 with an initial $5,000 investment and scaled it to $12 million per year in revenue. And then it was acquired in 2019. Yay, he's living the dream. We always have to remember we have to sell it. We have to sell it, people, or you're just self-employed. All right, today Nathan is a co-founder of Outsource School, a company working to educate entrepreneurs on how to effectively hire and scale with virtual assistants. Boy, we all know I love that, right? Mm -hmm. Nathan has appeared on 300 plus episodes or podcasts. And uh, so we're lucky to have him here. He's a social media personality and loves sharing advice on scaling remote businesses. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Yeah, really appreciate you having me. You and I had such a great call the first time. So I've been looking forward to this. Well, that's good. Okay, Nathan. All right. So you're the man. You're awesome. You got it all going on. And what I really love to dive into for my audience is, look, the journey can be so isolating when you're by yourself and you're like, hey, my mom told me I was smart. What's going on? Why is this not working? And I keep telling people, look, it's just about execution. And I call it YME. You're missing execution and you need a team for that. So we're going to dive into how you and I are really big fans of growth starting and growing a team. But why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the pain points in your journey so we can relate to you and, you know, so we don't just see you as, you know, the Superman with the cape that you, that you got going on right now. Yeah. So there's really two, two stories that, that kind of stand out. I mean, I started selling an e-commerce back when I was in college, when I was 20 and I started off buying and selling people's textbooks, which I had a little bit of success, but that led me to Amazon. And when I found Amazon, that was a game changer. I got in at, at a great time. Through a lot of trial and error, I found out how to become really good at selling baby products. So if you can imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy with more hair selling millions of dollars <laughs> of baby products on Amazon, that was me. And I'm making money. My parents tell me I should probably pay taxes, right? So You, you know what I got really good at? I got really good <laughs> at buying on Amazon. So, all, all right. right. <laughs> so you're good at selling and you got good at selling baby products, but how, where, how does that fall into your lap? Like what made you start there? I didn't start there. I did a, a lot of trial and error. I mean, I started okay. off with stuff I was familiar with, like uh, computers, video games, sporting yeah. equipment, and everything failed for a different reason. If you like video games, for example, everyone sells video games to the same price. So it's very tough to, to make a margin on that. And when you get, okay. I tried more expensive products, but they were tough to ship. So I, mm. baby products, for whatever reason, had the good margins. They were easy to ship. Manufacturers weren't really selling on Amazon, so I could build relationships with them. And, oh. and, I'm sure there are a lot of reasons that I never really figured out, but so 
I, I, my parents tell me I should pay taxes and I meet with an accountant. <laughs> okay. One for the parents. Okay. That I should. Let's be <laughs> in case we're ever audited. It's not that you one should pay taxes. Okay. Good, good parental guidance. All right. <laughs> good job. So my accountant that I meet with, he says, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. Right. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. Oh. And he just laughed in my face and said, you're going to learn this lesson early on, or you're going to le- le- learn this lesson on your own. So I, I don't listen to him. And my first busy season comes around the fourth quarter, Christmas time, people are buying toys, people are buying baby products and I get absolutely destroyed. I'm doing every single part of my business, responding to every email, changing every price. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life is gone. My grades are going down. And I work my butt off for eight weeks. And when I get to January, past Christmas, I think to myself, man, he was right. I need to start hiring people right now. So that was like my wake up call as a college kid who went from, man, I'm, I'm, I'm having so much fun. I'm working seven hours, eight hours a day to, oh my God, like I cannot do this thing alone. And I start hiring people and I make a very bad mistake early on hiring. And this leads me to- Okay, let me jump in. If I can just jump in here, because you've got so much to your story. I want to paste you because we want to pick up all the nuggets you're saying. And one of the things you said, and we hear this all the time, you and I, well, I don't want people to steal my ideas and I don't want them to take my money. (laughs) And I mean, that just astounds me. And we could do a whole show just on that because- First of all, I always say you can you have a piece of rope. You can pull somebody up to you, but not past you, right? So I would I don't even know how to articulate. Maybe you could do a better job for me finally. How you can express to people that listen, they are not going to steal your ideas. They they are you hired them. If they had the ability to do all that, they'd be doing it. They you know what I'm saying? Do you have better insight on that? Because that one always just baffles me. Yeah. So I I can only speak in virtual assistants, but the average virtual assistant cares so much more about providing for their family and having a stable job. And if they're on a marketplace like FreeUp, like just staying on the platform and getting other clients and having a revenue stream and making sure that you're happy and that they they get feedback from you than they do about stealing your business or hurting your business. Like that's just not a top priority for them. And of course there's exceptions to every rule, but as a business owner, I like to play the percentage. And the percentages say that those people don't want to be entrepreneurs. The reason that they're looking for a job, the reason that they're looking to be a VA is because they want the stability. They want to go spend time with their family on weekends and not think about the business. They don't want to take the risks that us entrepreneurs take. They don't want to take their own money and, and put it into the business. Like those are things that are, do not appeal to them. And you're right. And we forget that because it's so ingrained in us that that's sickening to most people. Like how, like I have my family members, I have aunts, two aunts, God love them. One says to me, how do you fill your day, Chris? Like they just, they think I get up every day and stretch and go, well, what will I do today? Like they don't understand the business is a machine and it's a business. And the second one will say to me, well, how do you stay motivated? Like as if I just go, okay, I got to do this today. The day today's a blank slate. So I think you're right. I think it back when we had less virtual help and you were, let's say a photographer and now you needed a photographer's assistant to carry equipment, even though that's still a bit ridiculous, I can see where you think, Oh no, they'll steal my ideas or my tricks or whatever. But you know, if you're dealing with whatever in your business and now you need a graphic designer so you can get your message out more online, that is so far removed from somebody that can steal an idea. It's, it's beyond silly, right? Like it's beyond silly. Okay. So you, 
like everybody else said, oh my gosh, they're going to steal my ideas. I'm broke. And then you went through Christmas and you just got your butt kicked and realized this is nuts. I can't do this again. And then you started and your first mistake was? <laughs> so I hired someone and I spent six months teaching them how to do everything, every oh, single okay. part of my business, yeah. customer yeah. service, sales, everything. And I, it was awesome. Once I got him trained, like my life was easier. I was less stressed out. He was running yeah. the business and I go on my first vacation in, I don't know, a year, year and a half. And on the first day of vacation, he quits on me. So six months of training down the drain, my first vacation that I really needed to just take a break ruined. And I learned a valuable lesson about diversifying and not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And that's a really great point. And that's another one that I'm always addressing with people is I'll say, first of all, you, you don't want all your eggs in one basket and you don't want to be spending six months to train somebody. So what I, cause that's where it gets this myth of, I don't have time to train somebody, Chris, I can't afford them. And then you think, Oh, I'm not going to reap these rewards for six months. But in fact, you know, what you want to do is just take a little off your plate, a little off your plate and free up so that you could be in your zone of genius. Cause the other thing too, I tell people this for me, when I'm doing the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, one of the things that we talk about all the time is let's say you have a virtual assistant or let's say you have somebody that helps you with your social media, the backdoor stuff, the, the mechanics of it or grabbing the messaging or anything, whatever, logistically like that. Then don't confuse that with the person who does the graphics, right? Like don't take that one person that does something really well and then dilute it by getting them to sort of widen and widen their circumference because th that's where you run into hiring issues. Would you not agree? Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah. I mean, man, I, I feel like, and this is really why I started my new company, Outsource School, because there's so much stuff early on when you're hiring people that yeah. you just don't think of. And I always wish that someone back in the day was like, "Hey, do this, don't do yeah. this. You're gonna regret doing that." And and it's all the, it's stuff that that comes over time. And and I wouldn't say that hiring is rocket science, but there are really good best yes. practices that people yeah. should be doing. And it, hiring is one of those things that. If you're making bad hires and you're making mistakes, it makes you want to say, oh, I'm never going to hire someone again. I'm going to do it all myself. Like, but if you're making that good hire and you start having good systems and good processes, mm -hmm. it becomes addicting. It becomes fun. It makes your business. It does. <laughs> yeah. And it, I start looking around, what can I outsource next? Exactly. And then- yeah the experimenting comes in because you can yeah. try out different things like lead generation or different people doing social media posts and, and some yeah. stuff works and, and you put more time into and, and other stuff doesn't. And maybe you pull back and revisit it later with a different strategy, yeah. but that's yeah. the fun part about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're so right. And because also when people say to me, Oh, well, what if you do what, you know, what do you do if you can't afford it? And I say, well, if you can't afford to outsource, you really need to outsource. But on top of that, I think for many people, what happens is they're going back to the old school mentality of when they were an employee. So they think of hiring a team, like when they were hired, like, Oh my gosh, you know, as much as I thought I wasn't getting paid enough, I can't afford to pay that. And I can't afford all that goes along with hiring somebody. And we are just in a magical time where the resources are global. They're economically so feasible and, and unlike anything before, as far as, you know, being able to get someone in no commitment. I mean, there's just so, I mean, it's just not a better time to be in business as far as resources go. So I think that's hugely important. And people get stuck on that. They start thinking like, ah, this big, heavy, old school hiring. So I think it's important conversation to have over and over again. What are some of the other lessons you learned? 
<laughs> so, man, onboarding is such a big part of hiring a virtual assistant. I, I like to break down hiring into interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And yeah. most entrepreneurs know you need to interview someone. Most entrepreneurs know you need to train them and manage them. But the onboarding gets skipped. And what I like to teach people to do is what I call my SICK method, which is S-I-C-C. It stands for Schedule, Issues, Communication, and Culture. So you've interviewed someone, you want to hire them. Before you hire them, have a 20 to 40 minute conversation. This isn't an eight hour conversation, 20 to 40 minutes to really protect your investment. And you're going to go over what other clients they have, what's their schedule, what schedule do you need them to work, what other commitments do they have, what total hours are they working. You're going to go through common issues that people have with VAs, which is personal issues, computer, power, internet, weather. And for every issue, you're going to go through how often do you have the issue? What is your backup plan when you have these issues? Because we don't work with VAs that are one issue away from not being able to work for a month, uh, which happens. Then how are you going to communicate each issue when it happens? You can't just disappear for 48 hours. How are you going to get a hold of me or someone on the team and let them know? Then we go over communication, what channels we use. We use Slack. Hey, I yeah. jump in and tell you a funny story to do that and let you throw. When I first, one of my first virtual assistants, and so I had somebody in-house and worked with me for years, and I had this first time I hired somebody from the Philippines, and she was able to communicate with me through her phone because she said, oh my gosh, my village has been wiped out with a typhoon. I'm just messaging you from my phone. I'll be at a computer in three hours. And I was like, okay, you could take the day off. You had a typhoon. We'll see you tomorrow. So she was able to communicate and tell me what's going on. And, and she even sent me a, a link of the news of what happened in her country. Then my... <laughs> Like right hand person who works in the office shows up 20 minutes late is like, oh, I'm so sorry, traffic was bad. I'm like, listen. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't care. I thought it was funny, but I'm like, look at this. She showed up in time and she had a typhoon, and you're telling me the drive-through at Tim Hortons was bad. So we we, you know, I'm okay with it, but right now you're not looking so good, right? Right. So so my apologies. I had to add that story. Continue. No, that's a, a fantastic story. And, and it's one of the things that makes like a really good VA. I mean, to be honest, like we live in the US. A lot of us can't, yeah. uh, or you're in Canada, but a yeah. lot of us can't fathom what it's like to, to live in a third world country. They go through a yeah. lot of stuff that we don't necessarily go through, but the best VA still figure out how to communicate at a very high level. And, and that's yeah. something that uh, people that are hiring VAs the first time don't realize and don't stress importance on. And we like to spend extra time stressing that up front. And so when we go through the first C, which is communication, we go through how they communicate, what channels we use, what our expectations are. And then we go through culture, which is the next C that we don't put up with people. And let me pause you again, if I can, just for communication, because yeah. as much as we talk and we make it seem like, it, you know, they're so far away for somebody that hasn't used someone in the <laughs> Philippines, it's also geographically, Canada and US are very different. Like we have Christmas season. You guys have areas of the country that have tornado season, hurricane season, you know, you have earthquakes. So even just not having somebody that shares the same geography with you, it's like, oh, what do you, like, you know, that can't, that's not a problem I've ever had earthquakes, right? So just understanding, even if the geography is not that far away, just that we have different experiences. Right. I completely yeah. agree. Um, so yeah, communication, we, we don't put up with drama. We don't put up with people yeah. that are not a communication uh, fit. And so once we've gone through schedule issues, communication, culture, we give the yeah. VA a chance to ask questions and then we give them a chance to back out because yeah. we'd much rather they say, Hey, Nate, your expectations are too high. I don't agree with yeah. this, whatever it is. Then for me to find that out two months down the line, when I've already yeah. invested time, energy, and money into them. So if you take anything away from this podcast, don't forget to onboard your virtual assistant and you'll be so thankful 
thankful that you did. And, and we give you our exact onboarding method at, at Outsource School. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that is so hugely important because people will say to me sometimes, oh, I heard you. And then they come back later and they say, well, I tried it, Chris. And, you know, I hired somebody who didn't work out. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's like my accountant saying, you know, Chris, you need a new tax strategy. And they come back next year and go, well, it didn't work out. Well, what do you know about that? You have no experience. And, and so this false sense as an entrepreneur, everything you think you need to learn, you think, oh, I'll just pull up my bootstraps and do it myself. And because you've been hired or maybe you hired somebody when you were doing your part-time job as a, your first job as a teenager, whatever, you think you have this ability to hire and it's a whole new skill set. And I think that's one of the damaging things of entrepreneurs that you always think I can muscle through it, but hiring, training, maintaining, that is a definite strategy. It's a very easy skill set to acquire, but you need to know. I often compare it to like baking grandma's chocolate chip cookies. You know, uh, if you put the cookie chocolate chips in after you take the cookies out of the oven, okay, there's still sugar. You'll stumble through it. You'll get it down, but it's not the same chocolate chip cookies. Like that simple strategy that you're talking about hiring and onboarding, it really makes a difference in the outcome. Yeah. I, I think hiring is the number one skill set yeah. of being an entrepreneur because you, you don't, you, there's so many things you have to learn as an entrepreneur or, you, yeah. or people think they have to learn from, from the, the tax side, the marketing side, social media, whatever. But if you learn hiring, it kind of solves a lot of those problems because you can put people through those processes and plug the holes when you need them instead of having to try to learn and master every little thing, which just becomes impossible at some point. Yeah. And it gives you freedom. Cause I remember back in the day, many years ago, way in the beginning where you would get it, I would get a new client or something and I'd be sitting there and they would want something that we hadn't done before. And I could feel my organs sweating on the inside thinking, oh, I hope we can learn this quickly. And I hope the other clients, you know, we do, like knowing that we're going to take a hit cause we're going to neglect them because we have more attention on this new client and learn this new thing where now I can just hire on a dime. Like, okay, here's what I need to know. And the other big thing, and you can address this as well is people think you have to know what exactly you need to hire, right? Like, oh, well, I don't know how to do that. How do I hire someone that does that? But it's literally show and tell people, like show and tell. I want a video that kind of looks like this. Here's our video. Can you edit it? It's a 30 second screen capture. Boom. I mean, I think that's a big misconception as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree as well. And I'm a big proponent of SOP, standard operating procedures, which is a big part of hiring, but it's just a big part of your business in general. I mean, I just went yeah. through a sale where someone bought my last company free up and we're going through due diligence and the, yeah. asking how does customer service work? How does billing work? And if I had said, oh, don't worry, it's in my head, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not buying my business. So they, it, it's, hey, here's five minutes later, it's, hey, here's my 50 page SOP of yeah. who does what, when in every single situation. In. That's what's impressed them. That's what they wanted to take and, and make better and scale over time. So the so everything it it's pick something up, turn it into a system, hire someone, delegate it, pick something else up. And if you take that mentality as a business owner, that's when you start really scaling and growing and really making your business sellable from the beginning. And even if you don't want to sell your business, you still want to make it sellable from the beginning because your mind might change down the line. And even if you want a lifestyle business, there's no lifestyle business without systems, processes, and people. No. And I always say too, it's like having a bunch of file drawers open at all times. Like even to do this podcast where, you know, before I hop on, I have this little checklist and there's little simple things, but even though I'm, you know, when I'm going to batch my work today. So after this interview, I have another interview, but what will happen is before that interview, I will still check like my Skype is off. My phone is on mute. 
you know, I've got enough water. And I got these things because what happens is you might jump on the next call and go, oh, I already did that. It's in my head. And then you're like, oh, I forgot. I turned my phone off because that person was calling for that important thing. And so then you're all right. That's the exception. So following a simple five-step, six-step thing before I hop on every call, it just go, yep, yep, yep. It's all good, right? So people hear the word process and they think it's this big flight manual and they don't have time to do that. So I think that's also really important that you're addressing that. Yeah. And I tend to, and this is more of a innate personal thing, but I tend to be someone who doesn't like to just sit down and write eight pages of, or eight hours of SOPs. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll chip away at it little by little. So I'll yes. do a little brain dump and then the next day I'll do a little bit more brain dump. And by Friday, the SOP is done or pretty close to done. And yeah. then you can even give your VA ownership of the SOP and have them updated and keep it updated over time and add, add videos, create screenshots, whatever it is. Yeah, you're so right. Or sometimes what I'll do is all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, I'm now doing this. So I'll just make notes the second or third time I do it because I've figured it out. So I'm just making notes as I do it. Like, oh yeah, I do this step and do that step and then it's done. It's like, it's really just, you know, it's really not a big task. So tell me some other myths or big mistakes, missteps that people make when they think of that outsourcing world. Yeah. So we talked about onboarding. Missing onboarding is one of the big ones. Whenever I would talk to people and uh, they had issues with VAs, the first two questions I would always ask is when did, when did, or how did you onboard them? And when's the last time you met with them? <laughs> and usually yeah. people haven't met with their VAs as often as they should. We have a, a what we call our hands-on meeting every Monday where we meet with everyone. We get on the same page. Then we have a team meeting for each team once a week. So our billing team has a meeting, our customer service team has a meeting. And then we do a one-on-one -on -one performance meeting once a quarter with every VA. And we give you all our exact templates for these meetings at Outsource School, but you have to have these meetings. You have to be able to get on the same yeah. page. You have to be able to give feedback. You have to be able to get feedback. You have to be able to update people on what's going on in the business or else they're going to lose interest if they're just using yeah. doing their one task over and over again and they don't know how that impacts the big picture. And I, I'm a big proponent of short meetings. Our meetings are usually yeah. 10 to 30 minutes and, and, but these meetings are so key and they have to be consistent. And yeah. If you miss a meeting one week, that's fine. You better make sure you have it that next week because the second you go 30 days without meeting with your team, talking to your assistant, things go wrong. And by, by the time we sold free up, we had a 35 person team. We had team leaders. We had four team leaders and there were some meetings where they just ran the meetings. I didn't have to be there, but the meetings still went yeah. and I could just have a team leader meeting each week. And then they would go and meet with their specific team. So you don't have to meet with all your VAs forever, but you have to set that up from the beginning. And, and it is an important part. And it's a mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs make. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I'm a big proponent of, I read a book once and I think they were so right. And I, I'm really bad at this. I never remember which book it is, read, read many, but, and they're saying, you know, if you can't stand in the meeting, it's too long of a meeting, right? So yeah. one of my meetings, I like them short too. And I'm, I got my standing desk, which I love and adore another day, another show, but it's all about the standing meeting. So I agree with you so much. And also at the end of the day, Look, what I learned in the early years when there was hiccups in my journey is at the end of the day, it all comes back to you. So, you know, whether you think you can't be saying it's the economy, it's kids these days, it's nobody wants to work hard, it's whatever. If there is turbulence in the journey, it comes back to you, your communication, your setup, your strategy, your lack of information, or, you know, I've seen situations where entrepreneurs got all hyped up about something that they, something happened over the weekend, or they signed up for a course, or they're going to start a podcast. And all of a sudden they're deep into it by Monday, because this is their new next thing. And the team doesn't have any idea like, Oh, wait, sorry, I'm sorry. I've now been working on this for three days. I forgot you weren't, weren't with me. So 
communication, it, you know, can be a killer for sure. So this has been awesome, Nate. So glad. I feel like we're, we're all buddies now. I can call you Nate. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us where people can find you and your charm and wisdom online. Yeah. So I'm very easy to contact online, Nathan Hirsch on Facebook or LinkedIn, real Nate Hirsch, Instagram or Twitter. Uh, go to Outsource School. You can sign up for a free trial. We provide a ton of information for our members and we're building this uh, SOP building software that we're excited about. So feel free to connect with me, check out Outsource School and, and I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey listeners, how would you like to have all the help you need to effortlessly run your business? Create a real business that supports your life instead of consuming it, even if you're bootstrapping it right now. I am super excited to share with you guys that right now we are gearing up to launch an amazing product, the Outsourcing Playbook for Busy Entrepreneurs, More Results, Less You. Go to comingsoonfromchris.com to learn more. That's comingsoonfromchris, K-R-I-S, dot com to learn more.